0: Saints, not sinners, celebrating how God sees us, but there were some ponderings this week. Not quite as many as normal, but there are some ponderings that made me think, and I want to share them with you. Discussions are always better than arguments, because an argument is to find out who is right, and a discussion is to find out what is right. Okay, it's a good thing to plant in your mind. I love this one. Our world is not divided by race, color, gender, or religion. Our world is divided into wise people and fools, and fools divide themselves by race, color, gender, and religion. Oh, oh, oh. I like that. Um, this is really good. The good news is that there are no gatekeepers to Jesus. <laughs> people try to be Pastors, theologians, churches, and other police others police theology, enforce legalism, and criticize people's faith. But God loves everyone, even when Christians don't. And we're seeing that more and more. I love this too. This is, this is for how you deal with other people, because you don't know what people are going through. Remember that people love to their level of self-love. Just ponder that for a moment. This one really made me think. Communicate to their level of self-awareness and behave to their level of healed trauma. Sometimes we wonder why our discussions with certain people are difficult or why we're buttonheads heads with certain people. Maybe there's more going on than we know. And if I've learned anything in the last while, it's we need to become more loving in our response instead of judgmental or argumentative. It's not about being right. Once we deeply trust that we ourselves are precious in God's eyes, we are able to recognize the preciousness of others and their unique places in God's heart. I love this. This is a great summary of what we've been teaching here for the last 20 years. 19. 19 years. And probably further than that, but I know I have had a... A joy of expressing this more accurately. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you're probably not going to live like it. I love this next one. To say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence. For God is love, love is my true identity. Selflessness is my true self. Love is my true character. Love is my name. I remember doing a sermon uh, on what names mean, that names matter. And this is deep. This is deep calling the deep. Anyway, that's, that's it. All right, a devotional I found last week that I wanted to share with you I got pretty excited when I read it the first time. My friend Richard uh, Richard Murray, you guys may have seen him on the Wednesday morning Still Growing Grace program I do. Uh, He's one of the co-contributors on a regular basis. Um, He wrote this, and he has a perspective on that text that when Jesus said he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Here is a lens you may not have seen before that has merit. Let me share it with you. Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven or, put another way, Jesus saw the dark nature attributes and energies attributed to Satan drop away from our heavenly image of God. When his 70 joyful disciples returned after having healed and blessed so many as they declared the kingdom of heaven was now here, hint, hint, The people saw, for the first time, the pure, the unadulterated, the Satan-free image of the heavenly Abba. The people saw. They saw a love divine without condition, reservation, or limit. They saw God as a rescuing healer, not a cruel afflictor. They saw God as a judge of our awe, not our terror. They saw Satan was the Old Testament oppressor, not Abba. Abba was richly in the Old Testament, but only as the father of light, love, and all blessing, in whom there is no darkness, variableness, or shadow, or turning. Jesus knew that wondrous day That Satan's nature had been completely severed and separated from Abba's nature. Satan's attributes of wrath, cruelty, vengeance, oppression, and condemnation had forever been cut, called away, and discarded as heavenly virtues. Satan fell from heaven's image that day and is still falling. That's deep. That's a lens that many have not heard before. It begs contemplation to process. It is a lens, and I value it. There's much we don't understand, and much we need to still understand. And I think the menu is bigger than what we've been told, especially the dessert menu, which is what today's message is about. Saints, not sinners, celebrating how God sees us. Today I wanna bring good news, this week and next week. And I actually cut out a whole bunch of slides so I don't have to scroll through them because I didn't finish. <laughs> Some of you get it. All right. <laughs> really, there's a lot. All right. Recap. Uh, the week one, we explored the history of the Reformation and how Martin Luther played a role in it because it was on uh, Reformation Sunday. It was it was quite interesting. Uh, feedback was interesting. Fe- week two, we explored the topic of saint and sinners as well as the, what the scriptures have to say about the subject of being a saint. Today, we're going to explore on how God sees us. Our subjective perspective can be altered by circumstances and emotions, but how God, Trinity, sees us is how they see us. Today is about good news. If you uh, have a car that needs fixing, and, and let's assume it's a a hybrid Toyota, because we have a Toyota guy here. Let's say it's a you know, 2022 hybrid, very fancy car, and something goes wrong on Oh my goodness, that can't be possible. But if you pull out your Volkswagen Beetle from 1975 handbook on how to fix your car, you're in deep trouble, aren't you? Why? Because the manufacturer is a different manufacturer for that book, you need to go to the creator of that item to find the specs, to find how it was created and why and what it needs. You also find out it needs the gasoline and not diesel because you'll wreck your car. Why? Because that's the way it was created to function. It's created, you don't put a a certain kind of battery in or the wrong size alternator in because you'll wreck everything. Why? Because that's how it was created. So if you want to get the opinion of how a certain vehicle is supposed to work or function or its value, you go to the manufacturer and you find out from the horse's mouth. You and I were created by God. God. Let's go to the source to see what the source tells us about how we're created. I don't want to hear my parents' opinions because they were good and bad. They were. I don't want to hear other people's opinions of me because it's going to be mixed because sometimes I've treated them well, sometimes not so well, fair and unfair. And there's going to be a mixed understanding of who I am. So if I listen to their voices, I'm going to believe a mixed message. Or if I hear something horrible, somebody who can't stand me, and I hear only their voice, I'm going to believe I'm a terrible person. Because of the messaging. But i got to go to the source. I go to the ones who love me most. Hence family. (laughs) So let's get into some good news. Today is about the good news of who you are. I love this in John 3:16 and 17. For this is how God loved the few people who said the right prayer. Is that what it says? No. For God so loved the world. And I think every denomination knows that. Every well, every football game, they got John 3.16, <laughs> like every hockey game, basketball game, you got some cuckoos who put those signs up and, and stuff. It's like Really? Nobody knows what it means. But if you read it, you go, wait a minute. This is how God loved the world. That he gave, as in his generous nature. His one and only son. So that some who say the right prayer, who believe in him, nope, says everyone, who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son to the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That motivation at the end of verse 17 is critical. We usually only hear verse 16. Verse 17, I think, needs to be with it because if we only read verse 16, guess what we're going to do? In our culture, we're groomed and and we're conditioned to have us versus them, believers, non-believers. Do you know what the difference between believers and unbelievers are? There's one difference, one word. Believe. But if you don't see verse 17, you're going to go, oh, I'm in and you're not. We're really good at judging in our culture, not just the church. I know I pick on the church a lot because that's the culture I grew up in. I saw, I see venom of judging in it. However, it's everywhere outside the church. And wherever we are, judging is how we stabilize ourselves and try to make ourselves feel good. (laughs) The First Nations translation says it like this. The great spirit loves this world of human beings so deeply. He gave us his son, the only son who fully represents him. I love that. All who trust in him and his way will not come to a bad end, but will have the life of the world to come that never fades away, full of beauty and harmony. Creator did not send His Son to decide against the people of this world, but to set them free from the worthless ways of the world. Hear that translation again. Jesus came to set people free. If we don't see people are in bondage, and all we see is they're jerks, and they're just judgmental, and they believe wrong, we have labels we slap on them, but instead... There are people in bondage. They need a loving way to be set free. And it's usually done in gentleness and kindness. It just is. For this kind of stuff, for sure. I thought that was really cool. In the Passion Translation. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now, everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send a son to the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. If we don't have the rescue mindset, we're gonna misjudge. (laughs) This is good news. First Nations translation in 1 John 4, 7 to 11. I got a couple translations for this 1 John. I think I do, but I love this. My much-loved Friends, what a great way to rephrase that. My much-loved, other translations will say beloved. (laughs) My much-loved friends, love each other, for love comes from the great spirit. All who love have been born of him and know him. Those who do not love do not know him, for the great spirit is love. Creator showed his love for us by sending the only Son who fully represents him, there it is again, into this world, so that we could live through him. This is love. Not that we loved Creator, but that he loved us and proved his love by sending his Son to take on himself the burden of our broken way. My much loved friends, if Creator loved us like that, then we should also love each other. Huh. That's rich. I th- if you don't have the passion, or sorry the uh, First Nations version, get it on Kindle or something. It's like a devotional. Like when you read it slower, it's like whoa. There's a depth of spiritual insight that we're not used to. My upbringing saw First Nations people as they're believing a lie. They have the false gods. They they don't know what they're talking about. And the more I grow and see that, wait a minute, they have more insight than what we've been led to believe and we've misjudged them. Hmm. Matthew 11 from the New Living Translation, good news. This is for you who are weary. You need good news? Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This is critical. We're in a culture today that is exhausted. I was talking with a couple of leaders the other day, yesterday, and we were talking about how we're feeling uh, two and a half years, almost three years after COVID began. And it was like, we're 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 tired. Like we're just long tired. <laughs> you know, we tried to stay strong and energetic and encourage everyone else while everybody else is worn out. And we're trying to keep everybody going and be an encouragement to be strong, sometimes even look stronger than we actually felt. It's exhausting. And then want to stop and go, have you ever worked on a yard project one day? I remember I used to years ago. No, I'm kidding. But <coughs> there's a project, <coughs> project you did. Just recently, I, did, I put up um, heating wires on my roof to prevent ice buildup in one spot. <sighs> How hard can that be? I went up and down ladder like a ladder. I have a 30-foot roof. That's, that's really high, 35 feet. So going up that ladder with a bad knee and then having to, on an angle, lay down, head down so I could reach, my feet are up, and then kind of shuffle because they didn't want to fall, you know? It was exhausting, but I didn't know until I stopped. When I pulled the ladder down, put it away, and sat at my desk, and went, oh my goodness. Actually, it got worse. It's when I got up, that's when I noticed. <laughs> I went, oh man, I didn't know I had muscles there. <laughs> After a while, you may be trudging through, and you're weary, you're tired. Same thing with emotions. Our emotions, we can strain them. And Jesus offers rest. Not just cease working rest. He offers himself. Because I believe Jesus is your rest. It's not an activity or lack of activity. It refers sometimes to this self-effort of trying to make yourself acceptable to God which is what today and next week is going to be about that that's impossible for those of you that came to Hope Fellowship because of a good news message today and next week will be familiar and it will be a great reminder let the little children come, this one's really good But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. That comes back to being acceptable, trying to do things to become acceptable. Children don't have to do things to become acceptable. Hey, you want to be my friend? Sure, okay. Boom, they're friends. Like, that was weird. Do we do that as adults? (laughs) Hi, Brent, will you be my friend? (laughs) We don't do that. And yet, the innocence, the lack of baggage and judgmentalism, Hmm. Jesus welcomes you as a child, his child, with the gleeful, playful joy that you would expect a grandparent to receive a young grandchild on the knee, that kind of a thing, or a grandparent, a grandma running in for cookies, whatever, however the traditions are, whatever. I'm not trying to label it too badly, but the point is there is a playful delight. Why would Jesus say this? Because his young adult disciples were shooing kids away. Going, oh, no, no, this is for adults. You know, we're the in-group. You're, hey, someday you'll grow up. You're like, come on. And Jesus is saying, ah, uh-uh, uh ah, ah, <laughs> ah, let them through. When you teach a child that acceptance at a young age, that God is not judgmental, it changes their concept for the rest of their life. I had mixed messages growing up. I, had, I was growing up to believing that God was good. Sure, all the time God's good. you know. <laughs> Remember that phrase? God is good, and everybody says all the time. It's like, okay, only church people do that. You don't hear that happen. And anyway. But I also believe that I could fall out of the goodness of God by my behaviors. I was told I'm going to hell because I smoked. Or I'm going to hell because I had an earring. Or I'm going to hell because this, because of that. Because I wasn't in church. (laughs) I was told these things. And then, once in a while I hear God's good. God loves you. That's great. But then, but you do that and God's going to get you. So, the mixed messaging is really hard. So teach children God loves them without condition. Hmm. Separate their behavior from their identity when you speak to them. That includes adults. That includes us adults. Hmm. Romans 1:7. We ended last week with this. That you are a saint. We talked about the whole pattern of saints, but I want to share with you these verses that I think are really cool. Just so you know, I'm not making this up. Romans 1.7, you are a saint. To all those who are beloved of God in Rome called saints, all right? 1 Corinthians 1.2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints, Colossians 1, 11 to 13, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, has, past tense, done deal, qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints that you were a part of in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Delivered, past tense, past. Transferred. Do you see this past tense? It's a done deal. You don't have to pursue to become a saint. Hmm. I love this. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We sometimes refer to folks that are older than us as saints. We talked about those who are, have higher virtue or whatever. Whatever or sound more spiritual we call them saints well we are all saints you are a saint and if it's uncomfortable for you good it's time to shake that loose and become comfortable with it because it is true hm. not because i said it revelation 22:21 i love this this is going to be this is going we're going to go deep real quick okay just if you don't. You can glaze your eyes over, and you don't have to follow. But in Revelation twenty two twenty one, 21, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen? Footnote. In the Mirror Translation and in the NRSV, there's a note. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus is with everyone. It, the other one said saints, but original languages say something just a little different. Revelation ends with one final surprise. In the form of a textual variant in verse 21 is grace declared to all the saints in the NRSV or to all in the NRSV footnote. That's the real footnote in your NRSV. To all. That's another way to read it. So why wouldn't they translate it like that then? Because it's uncomfortable. The shorter reading is more original. The words, blah, 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 metapantun, with everyone, is the original ending. With some copyists felt more comfortable sneaking in another conditional clause. Metapantun, hang on, it's like a, a dish at a restaurant. Anyway, with the saints. But there's something that we need to wake up to if this word, everyone or all, is there. And if it's been left out or replaced, but even the footnote there, they're, they're doing honor. They're, they're, they're being fair by having the footnote. But if you're already conditioned to believe there are some that are in and some are not, you're going to read it and go, yeah, that's easy. I'm part of the saints. But when you see the love of God is for all, and you go, wait a minute. This is wider and deeper. That doesn't make everyone a believer, by the way. Just because this is a fact does not make someone a Christian or a believer or whatever or follower of the way. It doesn't. But when they wake up to this, oh my goodness, it changes them. In Revelation 3, 23 and 24, you have been made right. Now, this was a good one for me growing up because I was always told I'm bad and wrong. (laughs) You keep telling my history now, can't you? (laughs) I was a misunderstood kid. Come on. All right. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. How many of us have heard all have fallen short? All of us have, right? All. Okay, and how many? Everyone? Okay. Look. 24. They are now justified. Who? Who is they? <gasps> Uh-oh. What could that mean? Could, do you mean the love of God could be bigger and wider than what we were told? Let's, I'll let you ponder that. I thought that was cool. Reconcile. This is another great one. Reconciliation has to do with friendships. Reconciliation has to do with those things that have hindered the ability to have a relationship. Adam and Eve in the garden, when they sinned, according to the story, it was in their mind that that separation began. And they were incapable, blinded in their minds, to connect to God. They were enemies of God. The word enemy is one-sided. It can be two, but it is one-sided. God was not there and he didn't consider them to be enemies, but they considered God to be an enemy. They had a false concept of who God was and tried to grovel their way, behave their way into rightness with God. Shame and guilt riddled them, and still, that pattern still continues today for many. But here, this reconciliation, Jesus, what he did on the cross, removed that hindrance that hindered us from having relationship and believing that this is actually good news. That's what reconciliation is. You've been reconciled, past tense. This is the good news. This is the gospel. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when? While we were still sinners. And in that sinful state, whatever that means, we didn't have the capability <laughs> of reaching out to god oh god save us we're doing our stuff however just symbolically and jesus still went ahead and did this i'm not making it up you can look this up in fact there's going to be a couple references to this depending on time and since we have been made right there's that right part again in God's sight, by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Are you having a fear of being saved in the end? It's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done, not you. Your response to the good news, oh my goodness, please respond. Believe. We're called to believe this. But you can't make someone believe it. For since our friendship with God, there it is, that's the thing that was diminished. Our friendship with God was restored, how? By the death of his son, while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Man, I should be getting a lot of Pentecostal amens about now. <laughs> this is where the charismatics would go nuts if they caught this. If I, can, I know my wife made fun of me the other day. You always say, this is big. And Lorinda bought me a cool baseball cap that said, this is big. It's upstairs in my door still. This is big. When we boil things down to what I think are the most basic foundations of faith for everything we believe, when people argue with me about this this doctrine of that doctrine what do you believe about this i say i don't care about that until you tell me about these two things tell me about the love of god is god love or not and what does reconciliation mean to you because if this is the foundation boy everything else changes how I view the rest of scripture suddenly awakens and go, oh my goodness. Because I've read it the other way for my entire life. I've studied it. I've preached it. So, well then you should read your Bible more. Man, that's the number one comment I get from people. When I have a gentle conversation, I don't argue any, so much anymore on Facebook, but when I disagree, then I thought you were a pastor, you should read your Bible. Oh, what a great idea, never thought of that. just tells you the level of their ammo. <laughs> it's like a... Sorry. rapid trail. Romans 8:1 This is really 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 good. First Nations translation. This is talking about any condemning voice does not come from God. Have we been a condemning voice to someone else? Yes, I believe we have. That was not Christ in you. That was ego. That was flesh. Every time it's negative, it's never the fruit of Christ in you. Ever, ever, ever. Any condemning voice. I grew up with enough condemnation from too many people my entire life. School, home, work, family, growing up, all of it. It, 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 It's kind of scary how it still affects me today and how I hear tone from others because my filters are... I haven't removed all the filters but I know the power of condemnation. But if you want to hear the love of God, it's not condemning, and I'm not making it up. First Nations Translation, Romans 8.1. So now, no one can use our tribal law to decide the guilt of the ones who have trusted in Creator sets free Jesus, the chosen one. Well, it's kind of different, but the New Living says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's go back. After hearing that, now let's reread this. So now, no one can use our tribal law to decide the guilt. You can't use your Bible and pound people with guilt and shame, which is what many people do. I'm just a word of God. Wait a minute. The word of God is Jesus. The Bible is a word, small w, word of God, that has bringing, brought us a lot of revelation and insight. We're not throwing that out. It's good. Are there problems with it? Yes. But it's good. It's inspired still. It's just so chill. It's not without error. But we don't use that to bring guilt onto people. Condemnation is what that's saying. Mirror translation, love this. Now the decisive conclusion is this. In Christ, every bit of condemning evidence against us is canceled. So if you're harboring voices of condemnation from others, even from people you trusted or trust, recognize that that is not from the real them. Let me say that again. The condemning voice you heard from someone you trust, or trusted, or loved, or loved—that condemning voice was never from the real them, their true spiritual identity. It came from ego, pain, flesh, trauma. It was never sourced in God. So don't receive it as truth. We have much to learn. Romans 8, 38 and 39, love this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, no thing. And if we can get this in our minds, oh, it can make our days so much more peaceful. It can add layers of hope and calm to some relationships that are in turmoil. And Paul writes, and I I am convinced that nothing, no thing, can ever separate us from God's love. That's a pretty powerful statement with a lot of emphasis, right? But it wasn't enough for him. I thought it was pretty strong. But he went on because it's a big topic. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Still no Pentecostal amens. Man. All right, that's okay. I'm I'm teasing you guys now. It's not our tradition. That's okay. You're all Baptists, that's right. (laughs) Oh, I get that. (laughs) So, it gets better. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, no thing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. There should be a pause there. Pause. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Okay, breathe that in. Now, that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> Do you catch that? Otherwise, it's just a routine flowing verse we've heard a hundred times. Emphasize this, that is revealed. This good news, this revelation, this reconciliation, this love is revealed in Christ. That's where we're gonna find the truth. Jesus comes to correct the concept of who People thought God was, including the Hebrew scriptures, including what the Pharisees and teachers were saying, including all the prophets in their incomplete understanding. None of them had it accurately. They had snippets of light. This is supposed to be good news. And if you ponder those verses I shared with you today, I think you're in for some really good reading I'm surprised I got done before eleven. This is really cool. I I I cut it just enough slides. I don't have to fast forward ten slides or twenty. It's actually twenty six, but anyway. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> woo! Um, we are saints, not sinners. And the term sinner is often referred to our behavior. How you behaved is not who you are. When you call someone a jerk, they are not a jerk. Their behavior was acting like one who was a jerk. Big difference when you refer to identity versus behavior. You're a saint. It's like walking into a garage. You are not a car because you stepped into a garage. That's an obvious one, right? So in the same way, you've been declared a saint by the manufacturer You've been given all this today, and there's more next week. Next week's going to be fun. This was like, kind of got heavy a little bit there, but it still really, to me, it got me excited. It was really good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your Holy Spirit confirm these scriptures today. May your Spirit confirm that we are loved. May your Spirit confirm we truly are saints For those of us that struggle with being even liked, would you do a gentle work and remove those false concepts just like Richard Murray's devotional where those false concepts are cut away from our image of God and they fall like lightning. Keep teaching us. Keep dragging us, drawing us deeper into deep. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.